Everybody, welcome to Trek Trek. I'm your host Justin Chang, and with me is Randy Nelson. Hey, everybody, we're back. How's it going, Randy? Yeah, it's going okay. How are you? Uh, happy Fourth of July weekend. Yeah, it was a nice long break. Um, yeah, I guess it's Monday. We're recording this on a Monday, mm-hmm. um, but you know, one of the two of us took some extra time off work, and uh, that would be you. <laughs> yeah, that is. So I'm still, uh, I'm still here on the weekend, quote unquote. You can't see me doing air quotes, but I am. Uh, yeah. So what, uh, what's been going on, man? Uh, not much. Uh, it was pretty chill weekend. Uh, I did watch some Star Trek this past weekend, not just Enterprise. <laughs> I was gonna say, uh, yes, we both did because that's how this podcast works uh i ended up watching star trek the motion picture oh wow um which i actually liked this time it's it's still a slow movie but i still enjoyed i enjoyed it and then i watched space seed uh the original star trek episode oh cool yeah that's a great one and then i uh started wrath of khan Oh, okay. Well, that makes sense, right? To yep. watch the original Khan episode before you watch Wrath of Khan. So had you, let's see, so you'd seen the motion picture before, just I've, once? I've seen the motion picture lots of times. Oh, but really? this is the first time that I actually enjoyed it. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've been, I'm, had been considering doing a big rewatch of all the movies, and uh-huh. I figured, eh, why not? I got some time off. Okay. And so you started watching the movies again. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. Uh, do you think that, that doing Trek Trek or, you know, watching other Trek contributed to you, like, actually kind of liking the motion picture this time? Or uh, just probably. something else changed? No, probably. Uh, I'm a bit older now. Uh, mm. The last time I had seen it, I was much younger. Probably couldn't appreciate it as much. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I just enjoyed it. I like the soundtrack a lot. Yeah, it's really good. But I mean, the movie as as a whole is, I mean, it's totally like counter to pretty much every other Star Trek movie. Oh, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I mean, even the next movie after that, I mean, it's very different. And I don't think it could be more different from, you know, the modern Trek movies. So Yeah, but I don't know. I kind of had a fan theory and then it turns out lots of people have the same fan theory that uh, V'ger was the start of the Borg Oh, really? And is this confirmed, or...? Um, I think they referenced it in some game or something. That, that... Oh, great. So we kind of were our own undoing or something? <laughs> well, it's kind of like V'ger was all about acquiring all this knowledge, right? And then yeah. it melded with Decker at the end. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of a human-computer hybrid hmm. that's just all about acquiring knowledge, assimilating if you will. I, I wonder if we'll, if we'll uh, see any of that kind of play out in uh, Enterprise. Yeah, I maybe. Yeah, oh, well, I mean, there was that repair station that was yeah, kind of... Yeah, that's very Vorg-like, so I don't know. Uh, not in these two episodes we just watched, but <laughs> maybe we'll see that in some future episode. Mm-hmm. Oh, very cool. Yeah, and then I had seen Space Seed once before. This is the first... Oh, okay. This is the second time we've seen Space Seed. Cool. Uh Again, had a greater appreciation for it. I think it's mm-hmm. because I'm watching a lot more Star Trek these days. Yeah, probably. Uh, yeah, but it's kind of hilarious to see the stuntmen, like obvious stuntmen during the Con Kirk battle. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, pretty obvious now. Mm-hmm. Now that we know what to look out for. Now that we've been spoiled by modern television. I mean, it, the fact that it's in HD really ruins yeah. it, too. Yeah. I mean, I've got to say, I think... I mean, for for the flaws that are exposed, those um, HD versions of the original series are pretty amazing. Oh, yeah. I mean, they they take something made in the 60s and make it look like it was shot now. So Mm -hmm. I'm not going to (laughs) complain. And uh, Rathacon is as great as ever. Oh, my gosh. It's such a good movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Trying to think. I mean, if if we're talking about Trek movies, trying to think if if Rathacon is still my favorite or not. Yeah. I mean, there have been some really good ones. It's definitely up there. Yeah, it's it's pretty superb. Yeah, um, I, I uh, as for me, I had no Trek other than the episodes we're going to be talking about. 
Um, but you know, that's still that's still considerable to you know like forty minute shows. Mm-hmm. That's not that's not bad, right? No. <laughs> I mean, it, it's what we do. It, we watch Star Trek, two episodes that's, of Star Trek every week. That's what we do. That's that's what we're known for. <laughs> <laughs> nothing else. Nothing else. Yeah. We'll be remembered for the fact that we watch two episodes of Star Trek a week and then podcasted about them. So, yeah. That sounds pretty good, I'd say. You know, some people, they go through life, they're not known for anything. I, I, I'd be happy being known as the, the Trek Trek guys. <laughs> so, anyways. Yeah. Uh, you want to get into it? Yeah, let's talk about these episodes, man. Uh, yeah, we're going to talk about Star Trek Enterprise Season 2, Episode 9, Singularity. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Original air date, November 20th, 2002. Episode begins uh, on the Enterprise, and everyone is knocked out. Mm-hmm. Um, except for T'Pol. Oh, they had a pretty big party, and, you know, Vulcans don't really party. So. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Uh, Tabal is recording a science officer's log on August 14th, 2152. Uh, turns out Enterprise was on course for a trinary system. Uh, she sent a distress call to the nearest Vulcan ship, but it's more than nine days away. Uh, the Enterprise is approaching a black hole, a singularity, mm-hmm. and... Even if it passes it without getting sucked in, uh, the crew won't survive. So pretty dire straits. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty pretty effective setup. I mean, you're not used to seeing you know the crew just all basically out of commission like that. Mm-hmm. So I was intrigued. Yeah. Uh, then it's the opening credits. When the episode comes back, Tabal is still recording her log. Uh, she recounts what happened. Nearly two days ago, the crew was heading for the trinary system and started exhibiting some symptoms. And then there's a flashback to T'Pol, Archer, and Trip in this situation room talking about a class four black hole. They want to get close and take some pictures. Uh, it'll take two days to get there at impulse power. T'Pol leaves and Archer pulls Trip aside and asks him to take a look at the captain's chair. Archer doesn't sit in it very often because he feels like he's going to slide out of it when he leans back. Yeah, I've actually noticed that, that he's, like, never in the chair. So it's kind of interesting that they addressed that, I think. Mm-hmm. Anyways. Uh, Trip was going to purge the impulse manifolds, but Archer says that the chair is a priority. Uh, Archer is in his ready room when T'Pol enters. She tells him that Reed has a new security protocol he'd like to discuss, and Chef has fallen ill. Uh, Hoshi has offered to take over the mess hall duties. Archer tells T'Pol that he has been asked to write a uh, preface for his father's biography, and he'd like her to take a look at it when he's done. He's been procrastinating because he feels like he can't sum up his father's life in just a page. Uh, she suggests focusing on a single incident that exemplifies his relationship with his father. He likes that idea, and he asks if she'll write it for him, and she <laughs> responds that she's hardly qualified. <laughs> I noticed that, r- real quick, I noticed she, she said she would be happy to look at it. Mm-hmm. Was that just sort of like a, just a turn of phrase? Yeah, turn of phrase. I mean... Okay. She's... <laughs> She's not feeling the emotion of she's joy. She's not literally happy to look at it. Yeah, she's dealing with saying. humans. She wants to use mm-hmm. the human phrases. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> In the galley, Hoshi is getting the 411 on what chef was going to prepare for the day. Mm-hmm. But she has another idea. She wants to cook one of her grandmother's specialties. And instead of using the protein resequencer, she wants to make it from scratch. Okay. Uh, which would be pretty difficult. There's a lot of people on Enterprise. Yeah, especially when you see what she wants to make. And the fact that she uses this one pot. In Sick Bay, Phlox is working on something when Mayweather enters because he has a headache. Uh, He just wants medicine, but Phlox wants to examine him first. Uh, Phlox wanted to check on Mayweather anyway after he removed the neural implants Mm -hmm. he got from the repair station in the episode Dead Stop. Phlox isn't worried, but he mentions that the Torellian Plague starts out with a headache and then uh, gets all sorts of nasty. <laughs> all kinds of things start out with uh, with headaches, Phlox. 
Yeah, on the bridge, T'Pol is trying to work, but is distracted by the sound of power tools as Trip tries to fix the captain's chair. T'Pol leaves to work in her quarters as Trip clearly isn't going to stop his project. In the armory, Reed is working on the torpedoes when Archer enters. Reed has noticed that the crew is taking too long to respond to potential threats. He wants a simple word that would polarize the hull and get the weapons online. Archer counters that the Enterprise is not a warship. Reed is well aware, and he notes that they were unprepared for the Sulaban boarding parties in their last encounter, and the Maserites disabled the Enterprise's aft sensors in one shot in the episode Fallen Hero. Archer wants Reed to uh, talk to the other senior officers and get their input before he makes the decision. As he leaves, Archer nixes the term battle stations and asks Reed to think of something less aggressive. <laughs> In the mess hall, Hoshi is seeing how people like her cooking. Reed and Trip are at a table. Reed throws some potential names for his alert system at Trip, who is engrossed in his pad. Reed offers Condition Red. Uh, Trip says to just call it Security Protocol, but Reed says that's not dynamic enough. Uh, Trip asks Reed if a cup holder is too much for the captain's chair, <laughs> as he figures that he might as well work on some upgrades since he's working on the chair anyway. Mm -hmm. That actually made me think of... Um trying to remember which uh original trek movie it was but do you remember uh when um uh, on the excelsior when captain sulu has his uh his coffee and he sets it on like a there's like a cup holder on his captain's chair anyways and it falls off and uh what's his name tuvok was on the excelsior supposedly right. at that time right 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 okay anyway sorry um Reed says that there's more important things to worry about than just a chair, but Trip argues that it's the captain's chair and is just as important as his Reed alert. Get it? <laughs> it was great. I actually laughed at that. I lolled. Uh, Hoshi walks over and asks that they enjoy their lunch of Odin. Uh, she notices that Reed hasn't eaten much and she offers to get him a fresh bowl. He doesn't want any and she's worried that he might have found something wrong with it. Uh, it was a bit salty for him. Hmm. Hoshi shouldn't take offense because Reed doesn't really like anything except pineapple, right. apparently. Right, yeah. He just wants pineapple, pineapple, covered in pineapple. Mm -hmm. In sickbay, Phlox is giving Mayweather a thorough examination. So thorough, in fact, that he's keeping Mayweather overnight for observation, even though his scans didn't find anything wrong. Uh, in his ready room, Archer is narrating his preface to the computer. Porthos barks for some food, but Archer wants to keep working on his preface. He's struggling through it, and in frustration, he has the computer delete the whole thing. Uh, mm -hmm. Porthos barks again, and an irritated Archer tells him to be quiet. Yeah, poor Porthos. He kind of, like, goes and lays on his bed. He looks really sad. Mm-hmm. Uh, T'Pol is working in her quarters when Trip enters. She wants to use Trip's sensor interface to identify the strange radiation emanating from the trinary system. Uh, Trip is bugged that she asked him to go out of his way just so she could ID some radiation, and he thinks she's being vindictive for making too much noise on the bridge earlier. Uh, T'Pol needs Trip's help with the sensor interface, but he's clearly pissed at T'Pol, and he tells her that the most important component of the ship is the crew, and the most important member of the crew is the captain, and the captain needs a comfortable chair, so he's going to work on that, because it's way more important than anything T'Pol has going on. Ooh, someone's a little obsessed. Uh, he, you could say he's singularly focused. Oh, good point. <laughs> uh, Trip storms off. In sick bay, Mayweather wants to leave because he hasn't slept all night and has to go on duty in 15 minutes, but Phlox hasn't discharged him yet, and he wants to run more tests. Mayweather says that he has to work on the upgrades he was supposed to be working on, otherwise he'll get a reprimand, which will go in his permanent record. Phlox orders him to stay because he needs to complete a micro section. Uh... Mayweather has to get back to work because he could be forced to scrub plasma conduits on D-Deck for the next five years, or he could even be court-martialed. But Phlox says that he could have an illness that could infect the crew. Mm -hmm. Phlox knows that there's something wrong with Mayweather, and he's going to find out what it is. 
uh, as Mayweather is leaving, Flock says that he'll give him something for his headache, which is all Mayweather wanted in the first place. Flox uses a hyperspray and knocks out Mayweather, then ties him to the biobed, something that Mayweather had mentioned earlier was the only way he was staying in sickbay. So there you go. Mm-hmm. I noticed he kind of tied him to it really low down, too. <laughs> He's like halfway down the bed. Anyways, uh, you know, television. Yeah. You know, you can't <laughs> it's not always, real. You can't always line it up. Yeah, right. Uh, in engineering, Trip is working on the captain's chair. Reed walks over and hands Trip a pad about the security protocol. Reed says that the warp reactor must be secured immediately during a tactical alert, his current name for the security protocol, because Reed alert would be too narcissistic. <laughs> he then has Trip listen to two alarm sounds for the security protocol. An irritated Trip says that he'll get back to Reed and goes back to working on the chair. In the galley, Hoshi is told that she needs to serve food soon because the crew is hungry. Uh, but she wants to make sure that her broth isn't too salty. Mm-hmm. Apparently, she's been cooking the same meal over and over again. Mm-hmm. Singularly minded uh, fixation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Reed is working in the armory when T'Pol enters. She wants his help with something. But he demands that she give him her clearance code first because the armory is a restricted area and he can't be sure that T'Pol is who she says she is. She wants Reed uh, to help with setting up the sensor interface in her quarters. She would ask Trip, but he's been agitated, which is unlike him. She asks if Reed has noticed any other strange behavior among the crew. Uh, Reed questions why she wants access to the sensor array from her quarters. She replies that she was to examine the trinary system, and he wasn't told because it's not a tactical issue. She then notices that he is armed with a phase pistol on his hip. Arming security officers in restricted areas is part of his security protocol proposal, though it has not been approved by Archer. Reed says that Archer is more interested in fraternizing with the crew than security, so Reed is going to implement some long-overdue changes, and if Archer doesn't approve them, he's going straight to Starfleet Command. Okie doke. <laughs> so, uh, do you think something might be going on with the crew? Mm, just a little bit. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Uh... Back to the present, T'Pol is continuing her log, saying that she knows that everyone, not just Trip, was behaving weirdly. Uh, they were all obsessed with matters that were trivial at best, even Archer. Back in the past, Archer enters engineering. Trip calls him there because Trip is upset at the quality of chair Starfleet provided them. <laughs> uh, they should have a better captain's chair because Enterprise is the first Warp 5 vessel in human history. So he's going to build Archer a throne. As Trip is scanning Archer's dimensions, Archer asks for Trip's opinion on the preface he's been working on. Trip really wants to get back to working on the chair, but Archer <laughs> wants to read him 19 more pages of the preface, oh my God. which Trip says is a little long-winded, a statement that Archer takes offense at. Mm-hmm. Look, everything, whatever they're doing is super important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, in the galley, Hoshi is complaining that she has to feed 83 people, not just senior officers, so she doesn't have time for T'Pol's special request for a bowl of plomeek broth. Archer enters and demands lunch. Hoshi tells him to fix himself a sandwich. Archer grabs Hoshi's <laughs> soup off the stove and starts digging in, but Hoshi says that she won't serve it until it's just right because her family's reputation is at stake. Mm, okay. An alarm sounds. On the intercom, Reed announces a tactical alert. On the bridge, Reed is waiting as the bridge crew rushes in. Reed is upset at how the crew performed in his drill. It took Archer 1 minute and 15 seconds to reach his post. Trip enters, and Reed tells him it took him 1 minute and 49 seconds. Trip wants to show Archer something in the Situation Room. Archer and Reed follow Trip as he talks about the new features on the captain's chair. <laughs> Reed and Trip get into an argument about what's more important, the chair or discipline. Things get physical, but Archer intervenes and tells Trip that he just needs a place to sit and tells Reed that if he hears the alarm again, he may have Reed taken out and shot. As he's leaving the bridge, Archer tells Paul that he isn't to be disturbed unless there's a real emergency. Archer is sulking in his quarters when T'Pol enters. 
She tells them there's an emergency. The crew has become preoccupied with trivial matters, and Flock should examine the crew. Mm-hmm. Archer tells her that he is busy and dismisses her. She insists that the crew is in danger, and he pushes her out of his quarters, telling her that he'll have her confined to quarters until a Vulcan ship can pick her up. He then goes back to his preface. In sickbay, Phlox is about to perform surgery on Mayweather when T'Pol enters. He's excited about examining a human brain and wants T'Pol to join in. Phlox explains that Mayweather came in about a headache, but Phlox discovered that it could be something worse. T'Pol tells Phlox that the entire crew is ill, but he wants to get back to performing the operation on Mayweather. She stops him before he begins the incision, but he threatens her with his scalpel. So she uses the Vulcan nerve pinch to knock him out and looks at the skin of Mayweather's brain. She had really good timing, by the way. <laughs> yes. If she hadn't gotten there right then, he was going to be lobotomized. Mm-hmm. Uh, later, the Enterprise is still heading for the Trinary system. T'Pol sees the crew unconscious and uh, she examines their foreheads with a scanner. She explains in her log that the crew's bioscience showed that they would last only a few more hours, and ironically, Phlox's obsession with Mayweather's brain provided the data she needed to confirm that the radiation was afflicting the crew. Unfortunately, reversing course wasn't going to get them out of danger quickly enough, so she wants to chart a course between the stars wherein the radiation isn't present. However, she can't pilot the ship alone. Spall enters Archer's quarters and rouses him from his slumber. She explains that the radiation is affecting everyone's prefrontal cortex. Uh, Everyone except her, obviously. Mm -hmm. Uh, The radiation is killing them. She drags Archer into his shower and turns it on to help wake him up. He wants to get Phlox's help, uh, but she tells him that Phlox has been affected. Uh, Archer then wants them to turn around, uh, but that would mean spending two more days of being exposed to the radiation. Uh, Tabal hands him some coffee and tells him uh, that she has charted a course that will get them clear of the radiation in less than 17 minutes, but they'll have to pass within 2 million kilometers of the black hole, and they'll have to navigate through all the debris. Uh, She needs him to pilot the ship while she enters the course corrections. Mayweather has been sedated, so Archer is the only one who can pilot. Uh, Although I noted, surely they have another pilot for when Mayweather is off duty. Yeah, right? Uh, the Enterprise flies through the debris. On the bridge, T'Pol is shouting some courses at Archer as he struggles to pay attention and pilot. Eventually, they encounter a large asteroid that breaks apart in front of them. Archer wants to use the phase cannons to break up the debris, but they take too long to charge. A large chunk of asteroid hits the ship, which initiates tactical alert and readies the weapons. Mm -hmm. She fires the phase cannons at the rocks in front of them. Archer demands that the alarm be shut off, and they successfully enter the safe zone. The crew starts waking up, and Trip asks if they got any nice pictures of the black hole. Later in sickbay, Phlox is examining the crew, including Mayweather, who is tired, but his headache is gone. Archer and T'Pol enter, and Archer asks Phlox how the crew is. There are no lingering effects from the radiation. Phlox thanks T'Pol for knocking him out before he operated on Mayweather. Later still, Reed enters Archer's ready room. Archer tells him that the tactical alert went off when they were in the debris field, and Archer wants the tactical alert to be the standard procedure, but he still needs to work on the alarm. (laughs) Archer really hates that alarm. Yeah. I thought it was effective. Uh, Archer and Reed enter the bridge. Trip is putting the finishing touches on the captain's chair, which looks exactly the same as it did before. Uh, he tells Archer to just try it. Archer sits down and tells Trip that it feels totally different. Trip responds that he lowered it by just one centimeter. Uh, <laughs> Trip offers to install all the bells and whistles later, but Archer is perfectly happy with the chair as it is. Trip leaves, giving Archer a thumbs up for the turbo lift door closes. Archer gets up and shows a pad to T'Pol, asking her what she thinks of his preface as the episode ends. There you go. Singularity. <laughs> I liked I liked this episode. Um, <clears throat> I actually thought that... So we've had a... a it wasn't a 
it wasn't a straight up funny episode. And there've actually been episodes like the one on Riza where, or the two days and two nights where it was actually supposed to be a funny episode. It wasn't funny, at least to me, it wasn't funny at all. Um, but I actually liked in this episode seeing everyone get like super obsessed yes. with everything. Uh-huh. Um, and I also was going to say that I felt like this episode did a good job of involving all of the main cast members. Mm, yeah. Um, it really kind of, you got to see how they all handled, uh, the singularity. Um, I mean, that said, that being said, you know, I, I, it wasn't super original. I mean, there've definitely been episodes of, I want to say every Trek where something happens and it basically makes the crew turn on each other and get super snappy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so that wasn't really new. Um, but I, I mean, I thought it was, it was a pretty good story. Uh, you know, I liked the bit at the end where uh, T'Pol and Archer are having to pilot Enterprise through the field and through the debris field, and and I and I, I also liked how it ended up that that Reed's um, uh, tactical alert was actually really helpful. Mm-hmm. Like it was a really good idea. I mean, I, I guess he had you know he had come up with that idea before you know he started getting obsessed. So it was a, it was a good idea, and you know I just kind of. You know, I, was, I thought it was funny hearing all the different names and, you know, there are all these little, like, nods to things. I was going to say that for a minute there, I don't know if, if you have this thought, too, but I almost thought that it was something with Hoshi's uh, food that was making them go nuts. <laughs> um, because it, it kind of started after that, uh, you know, but I, I, I just kind of guessed, you know, at, at a certain point that it was the... The singularity. It was the black hole was, you know, messing with them. Yeah, I mean, they were making such a big deal about it and making such a big big deal about T'Pol examining the black hole. Mm -hmm. And the fact that it wasn't affecting her. And, you know, but I was really waiting there for a moment to see if maybe Reed didn't get affected because... If he didn't, it would have been because he didn't really eat much of the food, mm. you know, something like that. I'm pretty sure that that wasn't something that they were even going for, uh, but I don't know. I just kind of was looking to that for some reason. <laughs> I think if there was some kind of, like, weird little swerve, you know, weird, like, twist coming up at the end, that it wasn't really the the black hole at all. It was Toshi's horrible cooking, or Hoshi's horrible, horrible cooking. Right. So, um, but no, it wasn't. Um, yeah, yeah, it was, I mean... It was entertaining. It was an entertaining mm-hmm. episode. Um, mm-hmm. uh, having a sibling who has OCD, it was kind mm-hmm. of unnerving in some mm-hmm. ways, too. Mm-hmm. Because it looked very familiar. Yeah. <laughs> in my own personal experience, too. Um, yeah, it was, it was that, that fixation was a little creepy. Right. That everyone kind of had. But, um, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that it didn't kind of become like a, you know, the crew just beating each other up kind of thing. I mean, there was that one point where Trip and Reed came to blows on the bridge, but, you know, it didn't turn into kind of like, oh, everyone on the ship was basically trying to kill each other, which has, you know, happened before. Right. Um, they were just, sort of they were just obsessed with whatever they, whatever mm-hmm. project they were working yeah, on. Yeah. And if anyone, anyone tried to interfere with that, then that they were going to stand for it. Mm-hmm. That kind of thing. No, I mean, eh, I thought it was, I thought it was pretty good. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it didn't blow me away, um, but I, I definitely thought it was, you know, well done. I thought it was a good little story. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, didn't tie into that. I think that's, the, I mean, that's the main thing I'm really missing is is uh, is sci-fi that, I mean, even though it has, um, even though there are, there are definitely, Enterprise seems to be doing a, a pretty decent job of having callbacks to previous episodes, um, you know, it's it's still not quite like modern sci-fi most modern sci-fi where, you know, every episode has something to do with the previous one. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of still trying to adjust to that, trying <laughs> to kind of adjust to the Star Trek formula again. Yeah, I mean... weird because we've watched so much of this. Exactly. Like, Star Trek started this whole thing, really, and mm-hmm. it's always been episodic. Mm-hmm. And it's just a bit... It's it, it feels a bit antiquated at this point. Right. I think. But no, um, yeah. Uh, singularity. Yeah, it was um, enjoyable. Overall, yeah, thumbs definitely. up. Thumbs up. Um, we're going to take a little break, and then when we come back, we'll talk about Vanishing Point. Oh, yeah. So don't uh, don't vanish on us. Let's be singularly focused on listening to the intermission. 
UPN Wednesday. We've had an accident. When a crew member is beamed aboard, something goes terribly wrong. I'm not convinced that the transporter put me back the way it's supposed to. Her molecules are coming apart. The episode you have to see to believe. We lost Hoshi. And we're back. Uh, let's talk about Star Trek Enterprise Season 2, Episode 10, Vanishing Point. Original air date, November 27th, 2002. Uh, Randy, why don't you take it away? All right. So uh, this episode, uh, written by Rick Berman and Brian Braga, uh, actually, uh, opens with Hoshi and Trip exploring ancient ruins on the surface of an unnamed planet. And uh, I noted that Trip's finally on an away mission. Yeah. He's been wanting this for a long time. And he's the excited tourists and that's really great like he's actually enjoying being on this journey yeah i i love trip <laughs> i want to see him go on more away missions uh but anyways um trip and uh hoshi they're exploring these ruins and trip asks hoshi if she can read any of the markings on the walls because obviously that's her specialty uh and she replies no can you uh, Trip makes a joke about uh, one of them meaning that tall guys are popular uh, because it seems to depict a tall being being worshipped by two shorter beings. Uh, so they're taking photos of the markings. Using and- a standard camera and flash because that's <laughs> yeah. what they use in the future. This is Star Trek, you know? They don't have camera phones yet because... Or actually, no, they've they've actually done camera phones and then they've gone through camera phones and now they've gone back because they realized that separate flashes and cameras were, were better after all, I guess. Um, they're taking photos of the markings. Uh, I made a note that these markings look kind of like a mishmash of earth, uh, of ancient earth, uh, cultures, uh, like native Americans and Mayans. Um, so Tripp and Hoshi are discussing, uh, how they have failed to detect any bio signs on the planet, uh, when Trip's communicator chirps, uh, and it's Captain Archer, uh, asking if they're about done because there's a storm headed their way. Uh, Trip says they'll be on the shuttle in a few minutes, and Archer said that should be fine, but not to take any longer. Yeah, I wanted to make a note here. After their experience with storms during away missions in mm-hmm. episode Strange New World, You'd think they'd be hustling to get back to Enterprise as soon as possible. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and you'd think that they would also have the ability, since they're in orbit watching storms, to be able to tell them, like, oh, yeah, a storm's coming in. It's going to be there in, like, a few hours. <laughs> but, you know, now it just seems like, oh, yeah, it's going to be there in, like, a couple of minutes. Right. Uh, okay. So um, their their communication ends. Uh, and we're back on the Enterprise, and T'Pol informs Archer that her sensors are showing a second, larger storm closing in on Trip and Hoshi's location. And um, I'm not sure if this is actually meteorologically accurate, but she says that it's pushing the first storm uh, towards the away team at twice the speed uh, that it was moving previously. Uh, and at that point, Reed chimes in that they these are diamagnetic storms full of polaric energy. Mmm. So the shuttle pod uh, is less than 10 kilometers from the f- uh, from the first storm. I'm not really sure how that relates uh, in, in non-metric. <laughs> but uh, Archer is informing Trip that uh, there's interference being thrown up by the storms, and that's making uh, piloting the shuttle pod back to Enterprise out of question. Um, Hoshi informs Archer that the ruins have very thick walls, and she thinks they'll be safe inside. Uh, but Archer says that they're not dealing with regular thunderclouds and that a polaric burst would short-circuit a shell pod, but it would do a lot worse to their nervous systems. Um, so Archer tells Hoshi uh, that Reed's going to bring them up using the transporter. Uh, Hoshi uh, suggests that they should wait inside the shuttle pod and polarize its hull plating, uh, so Paul tells them that that would most likely attract a player discharge. Uh, so at this point, you know, it's pretty clear that Hoshi doesn't want to use the transporter. Right. Uh, she's actually kind of acting like she was about traveling to space to begin with. Yeah, she's um, kind of a downer again. Yeah, so we've got... I mean, got, it's understandable because transporter is still unproven technology for most of them. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's kind of like, you know, this whole thing is kind of like Bones from the original series. Mm-hmm. You know, it's very much like doesn't want to use the transporter. 
Uh, Archer tells her that she has to, that she basically has no choice at this point, and that they should get clear of the ruins before they use the transporter, uh, and that they're going to be beamed aboard one at a time. Uh, so Trip, you know, he's, he's kind of a funny guy, so he jokingly tells her, you know, ladies first, and then she asks him if, if he's ever been transported before. Uh, he says no, but he reminds her that Captain Archer has, at least once, that was in Broken Bow. Uh, and that Reed has done it twice, and I, I noted that, I remember him doing it in the Andorian incident, but I couldn't remember the other time, uh, that, that Reed's used the transporter. Yeah, I can't remember. So, Hoshi, you know, keeps arguing against using the transporter because she thinks it's unsafe, and she wants him to go first. Uh, so he grabs some of the survey equipment, and he, you know, tells them to beam him up. Um, he beams up, and Hoshi wants to make sure that he's arrived safe and sound, and, and he says, yeah, I'm here. Uh, so she grabs the rest of the equipment and runs outside and then gets beamed up. Uh, in the interior for the Enterprise, uh, we see Hoshi materialize on the transporter pad. Uh, she completes the transport, and, and uh, Reed says, welcome to the club. Uh, Trip asks how her molecules feel. Uh, he says, are they all in one place? And then she says she'll let you know, or she'll let him know, uh, before walking out of the room and the opening credits roll. That's a pretty long sequence before the... Yeah, I mean, we're really, um, I mean, I think I, I noted that I think a couple episodes ago, it was like literally just a shuttle pod landing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there was the credits. Uh, we usually don't get this much set up, uh, before, before the credits roll. <clears throat> um, when we come back from the credits, uh, we're in Hoshi's quarters. She's washing, washing her face and she's studying her face in the mirror. And it's, it's almost like she's looking for there to be something wrong because of the transporter. Uh, her door chimes, uh, and she, uh, tells whoever's there to come in. It's Captain Archer and he's coming to see how she's doing. Um, cause he obviously, you know, realized she was kind of shaken up by having to transport. Um, Archer gives her the rest of her shift off, uh, and he asks if she wants to go back down to the plant the next day uh, to continue the survey, survey, uh, joking that uh, they left a shuttle pod down there and somebody has to go pick it up. Uh, she seems really reluctant to go, uh, and because I think she thinks she'd have to beam down, but uh, Archer says that she could just take the other shuttle pod. Uh, she says she doesn't want to get lost, uh, which kind of puzzles Archer, uh, and that she's had too much excitement for one day, so uh, he tells her to just get some rest, and then she goes back to the mirror, kind of obsessively studying her face. Uh, it was almost like singularity, like she's <laughs> obsessed with her face. So, the, in the galley, uh, the next scene, uh, Trip, Mayweather, and Reed are dining, and Hoshi approaches carrying uh, her tray of food. Uh, she asks if she can sit down, and they kind of don't even acknowledge her. So she clears her throat, and uh, then they do. And they say, oh, sit down, Hoshi. And Mayweather asks uh, how it was being transported, and she says it's very unsettling. Uh, she asks Trip if he felt the same way, and he says uh, just for a moment or two, but, you know, once he counted his fingers and toes, he was okay. Uh, but Hoshi says she still doesn't feel right. Uh, and, and Trip says, well, it's probably just the storms. And she says, it's not the storms. Uh, she's felt, hasn't felt like herself since the transport. And that she's going to go use the de- medical database on the ship to find out whatever happened to other people, uh, who they originally tested the transporter on, um, to make sure that it was safe for people to use. Uh, Reed says, other than Cyrus Ramsey? <laughs> and Hoshi asks him who that is, and and, he, and Trip says, "Oh, don't tell me you, you haven't heard about poor Cyrus." Yeah, how convenient that she's the only one who hasn't heard of him of this of this character, right? Yeah, so that the audience can uh, fill in on this, right? Right. So Mayweather says you can't go on a survival overnight without uh, someone telling a story about seeing Cyrus's molecules rematerializing on a foggy night. Uh, Trip says, uh, "You know, next thing you'll tell us, you've never heard of the Easter Bunny." So Hoshi, you know, she's not really having any of this humor. I mean, she's super, super worried about having gone through the transporter. <laughs> and they're just kind of making light of it. So uh, Trip tells a story how of in uh, May of 2146, and this is very specific, by the way, in uh, May of 2146 in Madison, Wisconsin, uh, that this uh, Cyrus Ramsey was the first test subject for a long-range transport. Uh, it was 100 meters uh, but something went wrong in the pattern buffer, and he never rematerialized. Uh, Reed can't believe she's never heard about this. Uh, and Hoshi responds, she must have fallen asleep before the ghost stories. Uh, Trip, Trip actually asks everyone where they, starts asking everyone where they did their survival training. Uh, so we got a little, it's a little interesting backstory here. Mayweather says it was in uh, the middle of July in Death Valley, California. 
And then Trip reminds us that he and Archer were in the same group and did their training in Australia. Um, and that was actually something that came up in a previous episode. I remember, right? I made a note. Yeah, Desert <clears throat> Crossing, I believe. Desert Crossing, right, right. So there's some continuity there. Uh, so Trip's communicator makes a chirp, and it's uh, Archer. And he's uh, telling them the surface storms are breaking up, and they should be able to head back down in the morning. Uh, Trip tells Archer the Mayweather would like to join him in Hoshi's place, and he approves. Um, and when the call ends, um, Trip and Reed and Mayweather leave Hoshi at the table by herself. <laughs> so she's just she's just kind of left by herself, and she's clearly like not very happy about that. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if, if folks listening have caught on yet, but this is a Hoshi episode. <laughs> <laughs> so pretty much everything is going to be Hoshi going around the Enterprise doing stuff. Uh, case in point, uh, Hoshi goes to sickbay, as she has promised to do. Uh, she's looking for Dr. Flox, but she can't find him. Um, she hears some noises, and, and presumably of his various creatures, his menagerie, um, and starts to kind of go look for him when she hears him behind him, behind her. Uh, she turns around, uh, and she kind of seems surprised that, that he's there. He asks what he can do for her, and says he was feeding his leeches. Uh, she asks if he heard her come in, um, cause she's kind of losing it. <laughs> Uh, but he doesn't really answer her directly, uh, and, and he does want to know if she's not feeling well. Uh, she says she's uh, not feeling well, and she starts telling him about the whole the whole transporter process. Flox uh, says he's heard of her ordeal on the surface, uh, but Hoshi says she's not talking about the storms. She's talking about her molecules. Flox <laughs> uh, wants her to sit down so he can take a look, Um and uh, he, he thought that was kind of funny. He says it will take him a while to account for every molecule. But she seems to be in one piece and in no danger of becoming the next Cyrus Ramsey. Mm. So clearly he's also heard of Cyrus Ramsey. Um, <clears throat> she, uh, he says she's fine, but she wants to know about the spot on her nose. Uh, so basically she's got this little like birthmark on her nose and she's claims that it's actually in a different spot on her nose than it normally is. Um, and so she's losing it <laughs> and he tells her to go get some sleep. So the next thing, thing we see is, uh, we're in Hoshi's quarters and she's asleep, and her terminal, her, her computer, starts beeping. Uh, and it's to Paul. Oh, she asks what time it is, and she says it's 1100 hours. Uh, to Paul responds that it's 1100 hours. Uh, she asks Toshi to come to the bridge because there's an emergency. Hoshi says it can't be 1100 hours because her shift starts at 0800 hours. Uh, Hoshi walks onto the bridge uh, and starts immediately apologizing to Captain Archer for being late for duty. Uh, he tells her that Tripp and Mayweather have been taken hostage on the surface and haven't been heard from for an hour. Um, oh, she asks who took them hostage, and Archer responds, the people on the surface. Mm-hmm. So uh, as you'll recall um, from the beginning of the episode, Tripp and Hoshi didn't pick up any bioscience on the surface. It was basically a dead planet. So this is Brave New World Part 2. Yeah, basically. Uh, they're not rock people yet, at least. So, uh, Archer and DePaul, uh, tell Hoshi that the people on the surface, uh, didn't appreciate their ruins being disturbed. Uh, DePaul specifically mentions them disturbing their ancient relics. And Hoshi asks her how she knew about them because uh, presumably she hasn't even filed her report yet. Mm-hmm. So things are fishy. Yeah. Uh, so, for sure. <laughs> so Reed is at his station on the bridge trying to isolate, uh, Trip and Mayweather's bioscience. Uh, and they receive a hail from Mayweather's communicator. But it's not Mayweather. It's uh, presumably one of the kidnappers. And he starts speaking in an unknown alien language. Uh, Hoshi is at her comms terminal. And she says she needs a longer sample of the language in order to make the universal translator work. Uh, so Hoshi, or so rather Archer, uh, attempts to kind of get the the hostage takers talking um they keep talking but the universal translator isn't working and even after more speaking it's not working um so reed suggests that hoshi just try you know translating uh directly uh and she tries but still can't under understand them uh which seems you know 
not normal for her. So she gets flustered. Archer tells her to go back to her quarters and rest, and she yeah. reluctantly leaves. I mean, everyone's piling on her at this point, and it's like one of those stress dreams where you're at work or you're at school and yeah. can't get anything right. Just everything's going wrong, basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But as, as of yet, we don't know, you know what's going on. Although, I, uh, you have to have strong suspicions at this point. That something's not right. Yeah. That, that, that this is not real, potentially. Yes. So, um, you know, she, uh, Hoshi takes the captain's, uh, order to heart, obviously. Uh, she's in her uh, quarters again. She's in the bathroom. And she's getting into, uh, the shower. Um, uh, she looks in the mirror again. And she's startled to see that it's, as the mirror begins to fog up, it's, making her look transparent or she's think she's turning transparent. I took it to mean that the fogging of the mirror was kind of, you know, making her look transparent. Uh, but she seems to realize that it's just the mirror fogging up and wipes it away. Uh, but when she's in the shower, uh, she glances down at one point at her hands and they seem to be like fading out and the water is going through them. And so, you know, at this point it's like, wow, she's really losing it. Right. Uh, so the next scene we see is in the galley again. Uh, Hoshi enters is, or rather Hoshi's in the galley and walks up to a table where T'Pol's sitting and asks if she can sit down. Uh, once again, uh, T'Pol this time doesn't seem to hear her. Um, but, um, again, uh, Hoshi, you know, kind of clears her throat and T'Pol, um, says, you know, sit down. Um, and, Hoshi asked Paul why she's here in the galley reading a book when there's a hostage crisis going on on the bridge. Uh, Paul tells her it's been resolved and that Trip and Mayweather are already back on board. Uh, it's only been an hour since Hoshi left the bridge. Mm, that seems weird. Mm, time compression. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. So, Paul tells Hoshi that Crewman Baird. Uh, ended up deciphering the alien language, which was a simple bimodal syntax using the universal translator, which Hoshi couldn't get to work. Um, Captain Archer ended up freeing the men by, by promising to return all the samples that they took and destroying the photographs that they shot. Uh, Hoshi says that she should get to the bridge in case Captain Archer wants to speak with the alien some more. Uh, I noted that, but at this point, hasn't the universal translator already figured out their language. Right. <laughs> so why would she need, why would she be needed? Uh, but Topol says he wants her to remain off duty and has put crewman Baird in charge of the comms. And I made a note that Hoshi seems very sad. This is definitely fishy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so the next thing we see is Hoshi walking through the enterprise's corridors and she passes by another crew member, or actually two crew members. Uh, she greets the female crew member, but th- she keeps walking uh, she approaches a turbo lift, and it opens, and another crew member steps out and doesn't acknowledge her. Um, Hoshi gets in and pushes the turbo lift controls, and nothing happens, and tries again with no luck. Uh, at this point, she starts basically hearing voices. Uh, she hears a fake conversation, uh, and it sounds like uh, Malcolm's voice saying that the stream is unstable. She hears Trip as well. Uh, and then at that point, another crew member enters the turbo lift with her and uses his controls, and they work. Yeah, if you haven't figured out what's going on by now, it's, yeah. it's pretty obvious. Yeah, she's disappearing. Yes, that's exactly <laughs> what's going on. So at this point, uh, Hoshi goes back to sickbay, and the first thing she asks Dr. Flox is if he can see her. Uh, she says something's very wrong and tells him what's been going on. He points out that he can indeed see her and that the sickbay doors operated when she approached them. Uh, he says she's okay and that when airplanes and other technology were, uh, were first introduced, they were also considered dangerous. Um, but you would not catch him using the transporter. Um, she's worried that he's going to put all this on her medical record. Uh, but <laughs> he jokes that as far as he's concerned, he never saw her come in. Oh. So I get it, get it, get it. Yeah. So, uh, he offers to give her a mild sedative, but she declines. Uh, so next we actually, I think see a new part of the ship that we haven't seen in previous episodes, the gymnasium. Mm-hmm. Um, Hoshi walks in the gym. Uh, we saw the gymnasium in a night in sick bay, I believe. Oh, right, right, right. Because when 
Archer was racing against the ball. (laughs) That's right. So yet another episode, season two, it's the season of the Enterprise gem. (laughs) The 24-hour fitness uh, on the Enterprise. I'm a little bummed that they don't have the uh, sideways Stairmaster that they had in the classic Trek series. (laughs) Oh, that's that's right. I totally forgot about that. All right. Now I'm going to be thinking about that. Uh, So Hoshi walks into the gem. And uh, she finds Trip in one of those, like, 360-degree gyro things that you see at the fair, kind of. <laughs> I mean, if you've seen the episode, you know what I'm talking about. It's kind of hard to describe, but he's spinning around at 360 degrees in it. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure of the um, the actual, you know, kind of... Uh, uh, health advantage of using this thing. Like, why this would be in the gymnasium. Um but maybe it strengthens your core, strengthens your core or something. Sure. So she asks, um, uh, Hoshi asks Trip how his captivity was. Uh, and he says that they didn't even tie him up. And that once uh, Archer agreed to their terms, they actually walked them to the shuttle pods. Uh, Hoshi asks Trip if he's felt okay since they transported. And he says he's had better days given what's happened in the interim. Uh, it seems Hoshi's maybe starting to accept that her problems might be all in her mind. So Trip uh, Trip jokes with her to cheer her up. He says um, being anxious about using the transport is perfectly normal, um, but she's still not convinced that the transporter put her back uh, together the right way. Um, Trip leaves, uh, and she starts to you know program something on one of the the workout devices, and it's not working. Um, she's once again not able to interact with something in the environment. Um, and then the next thing she does, I made this note that she's like tries to lift what I'm assuming are some kind of like quote unquote space weights, <laughs> um, and her hand passes right through them. So now we've got maybe maybe we've got some kind of uh, confirmation that she's not crazy, that she actually is starting to kind of like phase out of reality because mm-hmm. of the transporter. Um, and if that weren't enough, uh, she tries to exit the room using the door controls, and her hand passes right through those two. Uh, there's a since it's a gem, there's a big floor to ceiling mirror. She steps in front of that and she starts vanishing like straight Marty McFly out of Back to the Future. <laughs> and I made a note that this was literally her vanishing point. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. <laughs> so after this, um, we come back from the commercial break, and uh, we see Hoshi laying on the gym floor uh, as Paul and Trip enter the room. Uh, she stands up and tells them how thankful she is that they've come because she's been stuck in there for hours. Uh, but surprise, surprise, they can't see or hear her. Uh, Trip is telling T'Pol that he last saw Hoshi in this room last night. Uh, T'Pol contacts Archer over the comms, and Archer tells her there's still no sign of, Tosh- of Hoshi on board. Uh, not even the biosensors can detect her. Um, Hoshi is, a- at that point, she's able to escape the gem uh, when the door opens for Trip and T'Pol's exit. Uh, and I noted that if her hand passed through the door controls, why didn't she just try walking through the door earlier? Yeah. Um, but we're going to get to that here in a moment. So next we have Archer Paul speaking with Dr. Flox in sickbay. Uh, he's telling the, them about his earlier um, conversations with Hoshi. Uh, he says that she had some perfectly normal bio scans after the transport. Uh, but then when she went missing, he started to take a closer look. Uh, he shows them the images uh, that indicate that her subcellular membranes are degrading at a rapid pace. Literally, her molecules are coming apart. And um, we know all of this is going on because Hoshi has actually been there in the background watching and listening the whole time. So this is not, again, not happening without her present. So she's been in every scene so far, people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in the transporter room. Uh, Trip is looking at diagnostics on the transporter, and they show that its secondary phase coils are out of alignment and thus not synchronized. Uh, this would cause molecular alignment to lose cohesion and dissipate after only a few hours of transport. Uh, Trip feels really bad that he went first uh, through when the phase coils were still aligned. Um, Archer tells Trip that he wants the transporter taken offline, and he wants them to find out what went wrong. And he says the Starfleet promised 
this sort of thing wouldn't happen. Um, Flock says that it did happen, uh, and as such, they should be looking for her subcellular residue, uh, basically saying she's dead. Yeah. <laughs> Hoshi is there again. Uh, she tells them she is still in one piece, but of course they can't see or hear her. Uh, Archer tells to Paul to have Flocks help her recalibrate bioscanners on the ship to start searching for this dot 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 residue. Ectoplasmic residue. Yeah, definitely. She's basically a ghost yep. at this point. Uh, he then uh, gets in touch with Mayweather at the helm and tells him to prepare to leave orbit. So they basically have given up on Hoshi. To, for all intents and purposes, she is dead. Uh, next, we see Trip and Phlox, uh walking through an access shaft. Uh, looking for some of this ectoplasmic residue. Um, but Hoshi is actually right behind them, watching all this happen. Um, and suddenly she hears the alien language from earlier, along with snippets of her crewmates uh, that we also heard earlier talking about the stream again. Um, Trip and Hoshi have found some residue on the floor. Uh, it does look like ectoplasm from Ghostbusters. <laughs> they identify it as being her remains. Uh, they can't figure out, though, why she would have come down to that access shaft in the first place. And Trip gets really upset, and he feels really bad that this is all basically his fault. Um, at that point, Hoshi hears more of the alien language uh, and tries to find out where it's coming from. Uh, she walks down the access corridor, the access shaft, and then she sees aliens uh, attaching some kind of devices to the Enterprise's interior. So maybe she's not crazy after all? I'm not <laughs> sure. Uh, yeah, let's go with that. Okay, okay. So uh, next up, Hoshi uh, passes right through the door <laughs> into Captain Archer's quarters. So at this point, she's actually realized that she could just go right through a door. Um, so she tries to get him to listen to her, and she says that the aliens from the surface, presumably she knows this because uh, she recognizes their language mm -hmm. uh, from earlier, um, are on board the ship and planting bombs on D-Deck. <laughs> Uh, so Archer, uh, gets a message from, I guess, the bridge, uh, that they have contacted, they found Hoshi's father, um, and so he calls her dad to give him the sad news. Uh, meanwhile, Hoshi's looking around for something to try to get Archer's attention with, and her dad is kind of not having it. Uh, he's like, kind of, get, get to the point, Archer. Uh, so she's finally able to make a light on his ceiling flash using Morse code. Um, so once Archer gets off the, the, the video phone <laughs> with her dad, um, he actually notices the light and calls, uh, to Paul in. And to Paul, uh, says, you know, basically, I'll have a trip look at it later to, to fix it or whatever. But Archer actually recognizes it's, it's Morse code as well. Um, and she's spelling out SOS and he notices it. Uh, she then tries spelling out her name. Uh, but to Paul convinces Archer that he should probably get some rest and that, uh, they can have Trip look at the light later. Yeah, so Paul's really dismissive in this scene. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it was definitely, I think, done so that you'd feel bad for Hoshi. He was like, she finally maybe is gonna get through to somebody that she's actually still there. But, uh, to Paul, it's just like, nah, this is a broken light. Mm -hmm. You know, whatever. She's dead. So, uh, next we see the aliens continuing to arm charges around the Enterprise. If you notice, uh, none of the aliens are tall. Oh, interesting. No, I didn't notice that. Uh, Hoshi is chasing after them. <laughs> uh, she's looking through a vent in uh, engineering, and she sees one of them placing a charge directly onto the warp reactor. Um... She finds that although her hands pass through these devices when she tries to interact with them, she's still able to deactivate them. And then I noted that it's a good thing she didn't accidentally detonate them. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> um, so one of these aliens, there's, there's two of them, uh, he uses a kind of like handheld device uh, to decloak a transporter pad there in engineering. Uh, and he steps onto it and presumably leaves the ship. And the other one does a couple things and then follows. Uh, once again, she hears Trip and Reed talking. Um, 
kind of, you know, just kind of in her own head, basically, and decides to hop onto the alien transporter. Next thing we see, uh, Hoshi's materializing on the on Enterprise's transporter pad, as in the beginning of the episode, and both Trip and Reed can see her. Uh, she starts telling them about the aliens, but they don't know what she's talking about. Reed tells her that the transporter was affected by the storms, and he had some trouble reintegrating her matter stream, and that she had been trapped in the pattern buffer for a, a, a while, but only for a few seconds. He says 8.3 seconds to be precise. She asks for a mirror, uh, you know, flashing back to the, the earlier incident with the mirror, but then says to forget it. Um, she tells them she was sure she was going to be the next Cyrus Ramsey. And then Trip responds, Cyrus who? Which was a nice touch. Yeah. Uh, finally, uh, Hoshi uh, is in sickbay being examined by Dr. Fox. Uh, he tells her that her experience was probably only the last one or two seconds of the time she spent in the pattern buffer. Uh, Archer's there, and he tells her that Reed is suggesting some new transporter protocols to Starfleet, including compressing the transporter beam, um, but he doesn't say what that would do. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, she and Archer are basically left there alone, and she tells Archer that she hopes he doesn't try to get her to beam anywhere for a long time. Uh, he reminds her that, uh, despite her fear of tra- the transporter, she actually stepped onto the alien's transporter by choice. And she replies that that's just because she was trying to save Enterprise. Uh, Archer commends her on her bravery, whether it was real or not. Uh, she says she would like to stick with shuttle pods for the time being if it's all the same to him. Uh, as they go to leave sickbay, Archer, uh, starts to reach for the door controls and she stops him. Uh, she presses the button and relishes, uh, being able to open sickbay's doors for him, uh, finally. <laughs> and the episode ends. Yeah, so um, I wasn't a big fan of this episode because it was very obvious what was going on uh, very early on. So there was yeah. no sense of danger. I was just like, okay, oh, she's in a dream, right? This mm-hmm. is obviously a dream. And, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it had all the hallmarks of a bad dream. Um, I think I, I mean, I didn't know what was exactly what was going on, but I think like Early on, I kind of guessed that she was somehow stuck in the transporter. I think that when they were talking, when you could hear Trip and Reed talking about the stream and, you know, like, hang in there, Hoshi, that kind of thing, um, I was kind of like, oh, yeah, it's some kind of tr- transporter malfunction yeah. going on. And I was thinking, oh, because of the storm. I was almost expecting at the beginning for... Uh, when she started to transport for like a lightning to strike or something (laughs) causing this to happen. Um, Yeah. I'm not really sure why she saw the aliens or how that uh, came up, but I guess, I mean, it is supposed to kind of be a dream. Yeah. It was just kind of her fears, I guess Mm -hmm. Um, kind of made real. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. I don't know. I just could not get into this episode at all because throughout the entire thing, I was like, this is dream. This obviously, like, if you see my notes, every other sentence ends with definite dream. This is a dream. Like, <laughs> Yeah. I feel also that it, it kind of knocked Hoshi back a little bit in her character development, because one of our biggest gripes about the show in the first few episodes of the series was that Hoshi was like so neurotic and so adverse to technology and just traveling through space. And so now we have an episode where, you know, she's being super neurotic about the transporter Mm -hmm. and then basically spends a whole episode just being like, kind of unbearable <laughs> and you know this is after i mean obviously she hasn't had a lot to do on the show right i mean i would say of all the characters maybe even mayweather you know who's an ensign and who is you know i mean i guess she's an ensign too but who is um you know he's the helms person so i mean uh, even even compared to mayweather she's probably had the least amount of screen time 
Um, so for them to def- finally devote a, an entire episode to, to, to Hoshi and have it be her being basically unbearably neurotic again was kind of a letdown. Yeah, that was a bummer. They did kind of redeem it at the end where she's saving the ship and she's yeah. the only one saving the ship. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I see what you mean. But she didn't really save the ship. You know, it was yeah. all a dream. I think maybe the more more interesting thing to come out of this episode, and maybe this has been explored on Trek before, but it's the fact that, you know, basically consciousness seems to persist while you're being transported. Like, mm. there's, I mean, she was in the pattern buffer, but yet was still having a dream, basically. So mm-hmm. it's kind of interesting. I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's been probably long... uh long theories penned about how this would conceivably work, how your, how your consciousness gets transported. Uh, but it seems to have played a role in this. Um, but I mean, despite all that, despite everything we could say, I, yeah, I didn't really like this episode. Yeah. Not a fan. We, we definitely had another kind of, unbalanced week where we had two episodes one of them you know we're like ah this this is all right and then another one where it's like oh come on enterprise what's (laughs) going on it's not as bad as a night in sick bay no no we can we can i mean i'm really glad that a night in sick bay exists just so we can keep going back and you know saying things like it's not as bad as a night in sick bay uh because that really gives us context (laughs) but um yeah, I mean, I wasn't even, you know, I know I mentioned earlier that, hey, this is a, this is going to be a Hoshi episode. I mean, I wasn't immediately, like, turned off by the fact that when I realized, oh, this is a Hoshi episode. Like, no. I, you know, so they'd done enough of their character that I was like, oh, yeah, Hoshi, you know, whatever. You know, Hoshi, she went down to Ryza and, like, you know, it was pretty, you know, had a nice time. And <laughs> <laughs> you know, um. But, you know, I wasn't immediately like, oh, gosh, like, can I fast forward through this because it's Hoshi? And I was like, oh, let's see where this goes. And then it ended up just being kind of like, oh, yeah, I figured this out, like, in the first two minutes. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, Hoshi, Hoshi was uh, was quite brave. You know, she, I guess she, oh, wait, actually, was she quite brave? I mean, basically, she just got on transporter. Well, she was trying to stop the aliens. <laughs> Yeah, she was trying to save the Enterprise when no one else could. So I guess uh, Reed's security protocols aren't that good. Aliens just snuck aboard. Yeah, I wonder if she just didn't realize that they were there, or if she just forgot, or yeah, hmm. Yeah, they just they did kind of just sneak on board. Where's that Reed alert when you need it? <laughs> um, next time we're going to talk about two more episodes. Hopefully, both of them are good. Uh, yeah. We're going to talk about Precious Cargo. Mm, oh, no. I'm already a little worried. <laughs> and The Catwalk. Huh. Interesting. Wait, is there going to be a Project Runway crossover? I was hoping it's a Right Said Friend crossover. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe both. Mm. We'll have to see you next time. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll talk to you next time. An alien princess, a Starfleet engineer, stranded on a distant planet together. I'm the one in charge. I'm not your servant. You'd be dead if it weren't for me. This can only end one way, but no paradise. There's someone else here. Can last forever. A revealing new enterprise. 